Hello and welcome to another episode of the Woodward Tigers podcast here at woodwardsports.com. I'm Rohelix, alongside me is Chris Brown and Uper, and tonight we'll have a special guest which I'll introduce in just a moment. You can find us on iTunes, Spotify, Art Media, and Stitchler, and download the Woodward Sports app today, and we got some stuff coming up on that as well. But uh, our guest tonight, this is the first time we've had him on the Woodward Sports platform, and he was on subcon. well... He was part of a, po- a group podcast we had for the draft show recently, and, and I always like hearing from him because we can we can talk about a lot of different things. We get really nerdy into board games and among other things. But uh, Jeff Ellis, the host of the Lockdown Guardians podcast, and um, we I was going to have him on last week, but just didn't realize just scheduling, and that's just my fault on that. But Jeff, how you doing, man? Doing well. Uh, you know, if you want to talk about the game Hiss, that's the one I've been playing the most of late. But that's because you know my daughter is four. So we've been just starting to get into games. Caribou and Hiss have been uh, uh, my main plays. Uh, local library has board games here. It's kind of fantastic. Wow. Yes. Yeah. I play this uh, game with train, like you own a railroad um, and control parts of the uh, road, roadways and stuff. And played that recently. I forgot the name. Is it? I can't think. Is it railroad tech? I don't know what the name of it was, but uh, you control certain pathways. Mm. And... Um, it's a little intensive, but it's pretty cool. Chris, like you ticket ride. Yeah, ticket ride. Thank you. Was it okay? Yeah, ticket yeah, ride is my go-to train game. There's a lot of train games, but that's uh, it's always a solid one. It's I, don't know, I find that one is a, a solid one in the app just for relaxing. I know everyone's here to talk about board games. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's just I yeah. Mean, it's... After this last series, I, I'm not. Uh, <laughs> I, I I got a one-star review on my own podcast for um for being too negative um with the guardians and for questioning tito T- oh i said that name weird for uh <laughs> for my questioning how the lineup was carried so uh yeah i'm, I'm i better talk about board games and the the guardians and uh the, what they kind of shoveled out there for the tigers this past week yeah i was gonna ask you about that because uh first and foremost it was uh, from my understanding that i guess we heard in the press box that jose ramirez had a thumb injury he was dealing with or something along those lines or yeah, he. Why is my computer not working? Uh, so I have a two two monitor setup, and because this is what I've talked about recently on the show, I'm like, come on, click over. Uh, oh, it's not there. So yeah, in the Colorado series, he hurt his thumb, and you know, I sat there and on my own podcast, I showed like I broke my thumb playing third base. It doesn't bend, like it's it's a it, oh. it hurts, like it it that's one of those injuries. It just I can't bend it. Uh, also as a third baseman, nowhere. Uh, uh, not a good third baseman, but just as a third baseman, I broke my thumb. And uh, it affects everything. Like, you try to write, and it hurts. And since that injury, like, if you go and you put the little brackets on fan graphs, he's got a 78 runs created plus since then. Mm-hmm. Uh, he is uh, dramatically dead. I mean, as someone who watches them almost every day, occasionally, for a few games in this series where I'm like, okay, that's enough. I don't need to torture myself. <laughs> I'm just going to shut this down. Um you know, he, he's just, he's expanding his, what he swing. I mean, this is a guy for up until that thumb injury, he had more home runs than strikeouts. Like he was doing that. And then, I mean, they have a lot like, you know, I, I, people who listen, if anyone listens to lockdown guardians are probably already tired of hearing me rail against like Owen Miller was good for 50 plate appearances and has been terrible. Like this is a whole team where don't get me wrong. Like, Josh Naylor has been a revelation for them. Uh, Andres has been fantastic. He's coming down, but that was going to happen because he had some bat hip luck. They, they've nailed down a few core pieces. They still need to keep going. 
their minor leagues are just deep. Like they don't mm-hmm. have, you know, we, we did our crossover with all the lockdown podcasts at the start of the year. And everyone's like, you know, who's the, who's the team to watch prospect wise. And, you know, it, the internal debate from all the other ones was Kansas city versus Detroit. And I decided for Detroit. Cause you know, it's the big names, but right. I, I, I went out of my way to be like, I don't think you want to just completely shunt Cleveland out because of that depth. Like the, the young players are coming supposedly, I don't know why it took this long, but Nolan Jones, we might be seeing on Friday, uh, get an official announcement. Uh, everything's kind of like unofficially all of us saying like, Oh, get rid. You know, it's, it's nothing official, but that's where they kind of are. As far as that goes too, cause Chris and I've talked about the, the, the way they have a draft. I mean, coming up with the draft year lesson, I guess about 10 days away and there's been a couple of guys in their, their outfield depth has become actually we've, we've talked about this numerous times before Jeff. That's always been the question about the outfield. And suddenly there's a couple of players that have emerged where they're down in, they're down in triple. Like you have the likes of um, I'm starting to think of like, I don't know how Nolan Jones is doing right now. Currently I mean, he's in infield, obviously, but uh, he's been, I think he's hitting like 340. He's going the other way. He's like, so Nolan Jones has been a favorite of mine back to his draft year. I actually had him rated higher than Will Benson on my board and you know, I, I followed him and everyone got, he had a bad first half. And then like the amazing speed at which everyone jumped off this kid is a 21 year old, maybe 22 year old in triple a after a bad first half. Uh, but he is, since he's come back and he started this year hurt, but he's hitting like 340. Uh, he, he's had, he's killing the ball right now. So he's, he's Yeah. Not killing it as much as Will Brennan, who I'm sure he'll mention as well, but he is right up there in terms of, and he's mostly playing outfielder for them. Chris, did you want to add anything about the outfield? Some of the younger guys. <coughs> Excuse me. I, I have a brutal cold right now. So I have, uh, I'm trying to stay off mic as much as uh, you like. That's why I keep being muted. Um, but yeah, the, I mean, the guy that's kind of surprised me is who, who I'd given up on is Will Benson. I basically like, yeah, he's, he's just never going to, get it. He strikes out too much. And then suddenly he cut a strikeout rate by like 10% and he's walking and hitting for power. So I was kind of surprised there. No, he's, he's made it where he's at least interesting. It's just hard for him because of Jones and Brennan. Like I said, Brennan's probably the breakout performer of this year's minors for the guardians. Um, just in terms of like knowledge, I think. Yeah. And, and the, the, what got at hand was, was seeing two positional players pitch the other night. And I thought that was, well, I was saying Leon out. It was so weird. It was one of the strangest moments I've seen in a long time because San Leon's just, you know, throwing BP out there. And then you have Harold Castle and I, you know, I feel like hey, Sandy like, Leon was the highlight of that game for me. Yeah. <laughs> as good as it got as a Guardians fan. <laughs> but it's just, it's funny. Him's just like, yeah, you know what? Fine. I'll put my positional player out there. And, uh, but as far as, I mean, the Guardians are the youngest team in the American League and, and they have that going for them. And are you surprised to see them at 500? right now at this point in the season? I am not because they didn't lose anyone from a year ago and they were about a 500 team last year. And that was with Shane Bieber missing, you know, 60% of the year. Most of their pitching staff was missed at least a month to three. And, you know, Connor Pilkington is such an upgrade over like JC Mejia. And Sam Hentges was so bad last year as a starter. I mean, I was calling for him to be cut. I'll just be honest. It's like, you know, you get some wrong, you get some right. I was wrong. I didn't think it would work out for him in the pen because that fastball just seemed flat. Um, it, it's obviously worked quite well now that he's in the pen for them, but they didn't have any options. 
And, you know, it, it is interesting because they do get so much credit for their pitching development, but they don't, double A is super interesting right now. And they just called up a few guys, but they, they still kind of have a bridge issue right now where they don't have kind of, you know, Pilkington is a, a filler Kirk uh, McCarty, who did he pitch in the Detroit series? Was he a doubleheader pitcher for in that series? The left uh, year, was that in the Yankees double? I think it was the Yankees with the double. Yeah, yeah I don't remember. He yeah. pitched Detroit. Yeah. So, you know, he just got claimed by Baltimore. They've been, they're still kind of, they lack some pitching depth. They, uh, you know, they trade for Tobias Myers and just released him. So it is interesting. Pitching is arguably their number one issue outside of catcher. I don't know if I have any faith in like anyone outside. I mean, Bieber, Bieber hadn't given up more than three runs since May 7th. So I'll say that like it was a, an outlier, but I, I like I said, I have no idea how to describe that series other than to say like, I mean, I, I was talking some smack that like, this is a series that like let Jose rest on the disabled list. Detroit has a historically bad offense so far this year. Like just telling people like you're not paying attention. It's, it's not just bad. It's historically bad. And then Cleveland's pitching made you guys look like the Yankees. So I, I, I kind of left that series feeling like I just don't know anything. And even defensively, this is a team that's pretty good on defense. And the, some of the routine plays at second base were just no offense or atrocious. I was just, it was, it was su- surprising because I mean, this is a team that also the first, in terms of first pitch contact, they're one of the highest teams in the American league in that regard. But I thought that they, I, I didn't think they were aggressive enough against the Tiger staff. That was, let's be honest here. The Tiger staff has been injury. It's been beaten up quite a bit recently, but I thought that especially the bullpen, the bullpen did not allow a single run during the whole series. And I thought I was expect I was waiting for Cleveland at some point to come back in the game because that's what they do, but it didn't happen. It just, it, it was just strange to see that, but it, it did seem like they weren't aggressive enough in early in the counts like they normally are. Yeah, since May 1st, we've definitely seen a decline for Cleveland just in terms of overall performance. You know, before May 1st, we, everyone was like, Owen Miller is going to be a. I, I remember I was talking about, uh, I can't, I think it was like San Diego when I was doing like a position by position review. Uh, and I was like, we're going to give the advantage at first base to, to Luke Voigt or maybe his DH at the time. And I had a bunch of people getting mad that I dared say that Voigt was better than Miller. And it's just, you know, he's, his, you know, his, his production has fallen way off and he also had a lot of defensive miscues first base for him. And then, uh, you know, the, the one nice thing is like Fran Mill is healthy and back and performing. Ahmed Rosario was awful early and he's doing well, but this whole team is so driven by Jose. And when he went down, that hurt them. It is. If you look at like the, who's had a runs created plus over 100 since that Colorado series, uh, it's, it's Fran Mill, it's Ahmed, it's Quan. And it's Rosario. And then everyone else is below that line. And even if you just look at the full year stats, I was talking about on the show that, uh, you know, the Tigers had two players with an OPS over 700, you know, and then I look over and the Guardians are the same. Like, if you look at that lineup, they had, you know, now Naylor is down and that hurt a lot as well as he has been arguably their second, no worse than their third uh, best hitter this year. But we'll, like I said, it's kind of the nice thing where I'm, I'm, very excited to see Nolan Jones. I'm very excited to see if we can end up uh, seeing someone like Will Brennan this year as well. They they have some interesting players. I mean, personally, I'd rather see like Alex Call out there than Oscar Mercado, just because we know what he can do if they want a right-handed bat. But uh, yeah, the Guardians are in a fun place. I'm when I've I, I will say I'm very surprised about the Tigers in general because 
again in those like reviews of this division they were like my sleeper pick for the secondary place it was just uh really like in the overall talent that was uh rising up with you guys and i didn't i guess my question to you guys back is like how much of the anger with this team is underperformance or is it about that free agent class doing negative value right that free agent class has to be a net negative right now well certainly Baez um hasn't hit the he had home run tonight but hasn't hit as you can put some of it and obviously eduardo rodriguez has been a complete zero so far but but it's also some of the returning talent uh, candelario uh, has not hit uh jonathan scope has been awful at the plate a little bit better lately uh, and not coincidentally they're winning a few games so it's really just been a combination i mean I don't think anybody expected Torkelson to necessarily light it up, but he's also been one of the worst hitters in baseball. So um, there's just a lot of a lot of blame to throw around. <laughs> yeah, it's it's more of like a comedy of errors, really. Like uh, Baez is actually he's playing solid defense. He's he's striking out at the second lowest rate of his career. He's just not hitting the ball hard at all. It's bizarre. Although he did homer tonight, but yeah, to Yoop's point, like yeah, Candelario has completely fallen off the cliff. Jonathan Scope is the worst regular hitter in baseball. Spencer Torkelson has the worst war of any regular in baseball. But, like, the free agent class hasn't been all that bad. I mean, Andrew Chafin has been as advertised. So has Michael Pineda from a finger injury. He's been a good starter. That's what they wanted. Yeah. And Rodriguez was getting it together before he mysteriously disappeared. So, it, yeah, it's just it's more about, like, people just think that they overestimated what they had before. And also just this – bizarre string of, of bad luck where you, know, you trade Isak Paredes, uh, kind of a, an underperforming malcontent of an infielder for Austin Meadows, uh, you know, a bona fide all-star power hitting outfielder. And Austin Meadows comes down with uh, Ebola and uh, every other disease on the planet and has zero home runs. And, and Isak Paredes suddenly determines that he's actually just a great power hitter. It, it's just one of those, like, it feels like Alavila is cursed basically. Yeah, and, and as far as as far as I'm concerned too, when when you see what sucks about, and we've talked about this before, numerous times um, on the podcast about stuff like we hear on Twitter, such as it's it, even with the, this whole comment. When you hear stuff like that, that's kind of amplified right there. But mm-hmm. it's it's honestly for me going down there the the ballpark every day and hearing like just kind of the side of the fact that. You hear Spencer Torkelson try. They're trying to get answers about Spencer Torkelson swing, and they're not really getting anything. It's kind of rather tight-lipped to a certain extent. And Avila is kind of a lot of Avila's part of it, or some of the things he has done has been cursed. But at the same time, look, I'm looking right now. We just see what's going on right now in Chicago. There's certain a, a pitcher who's pitching in the 27th round, or was drafted in the 27th round. That's unheard of. The Tigers' development in terms of pitching is uh, is very, doing very well. And Chris and I were talking about this yesterday. The 2020 draft class, there's Colt Keith that's doing very well. There's a couple things he can hang your hat on, but whether that, it, it, again, the development of pitching and having guys that come up and, and can step up, that has not been done. As long as I've watched the Tigers, I can't remember a time they've had players like this step up and, and be the next guy up. And Brisky's a prime example of that. Gary Hill, I mean, against... The Guardians. So I'm sure you were like, oh, yeah, Garrett Hill, rookie, you know, it, it would come up and, and the Indians would feast on him. And I was 
I was impressed. I saw it was the first time a rookie pitcher for the Tigers had ever had a a, a two hit, gone six innings, only giving up two hits. Uh, you know, I, I read the article in the Athletic about him before he played about you know how he was a, a uh, you know guy that they didn't think enough to protect from the forty uh, from the Rule Five draft, and you know it just it's one of those things. When that draft comes back, I'm going to be very curious because it feels like every team had a guy like Garrett Hillard. I think the Guardians had Oscar Gonzalez, was their equivalent, who was playing, you know, another guy who went down to injury, who's uh, really made this lineup very different. But uh, yeah, I like I, said, I just for me, Detroit's had pitching. I was more surprised by the offensive explosion because, uh, you know, I, when I'm going through the lists again to do the Lockdown Guardians podcast, and I'm talking about like who are the worst batters in baseball, just to really nail home how bad Ernie Clement is. So, you know, I'm going in like, okay, this is because Tito Francona has a love affair with players that were him. That's, <laughs> that's all it is. And, you know, I tweeted out and it, it, it always vaguely amuses me that like baseball players must search their own names because I tweeted out that like Michael Martinez, uh, Michael Freeman and Ernie Clement are all the same person. Have we all seen if they're in a room? And then uh, Freeman found the tweet and responded to me. He was very classy about it, but he still put some stank on my tweet. And I'm like, I didn't tag anyone. You must look <laughs> for your own name. Uh, <laughs> nice. But uh, he does. He lo- and It's not just that those guys are like Freeman was at least close to league average at points. Like he was not the worst, but Martinez and Clement are like, Clement is literally bottom 10. And uh, it's not just that he plays them. It's that he decides, Hey, I know you're like a shortstop second baseman. We're going to have you play some left, some center, some third. We're going to have you play all the spots. And uh, you know, I I was bringing that up because when I was looking at those worst hitters in baseball, it's like there was Spencer Torkelson. There was uh, Tucker Barnhart. Uh, I mean, essentially, you could probably make the least productive lineup in baseball between the Tigers and the Guardians when you're like looking at the Clements and the Straws and Hedges and Maley and Owen Miller since May 1st. It's like you could take these two teams and we could do the opposite of an all-star game. We can make like <laughs> the worst lineup in baseball just through the Guardians and the Tigers, I feel like. We could just call it the Great Lakes Classic or yeah. something. <laughs> <laughs> We're gonna make a team that we think a really good, like a J. Sarah High School team, could maybe beat. <laughs> Love it, <laughs> hey, Jeff. I was wondering uh, on Shane Bieber, the, um, the difference now between Sha- uh, Cy Young Sh- Shane Bieber and present day Shane Bieber. How would you quantify it? What, what's the biggest change? He's got some great kind of good. So I think one of the things we have to look at, like before I get into what's changed, is like we can't take anything from the 2020 year. Mm-hmm. Like that 2020 year, uh, Bieber and Plesak and Kenta Maeda and so many guys had career years because they got to face only the central. And yeah. like you can go back and do a direct line and look at all those pitchers who had one great spiking year. And like Zach Plesak has never – it's why? Because he got to own – he only faced the AL and the NL Central, and the NL Central had like one team trying. They so people got fat on really poor hitting. Bieber was mm-hmm. still solid last year, and he was solid before then. Right now, his fastball it's still not recovered. We don't know what the deal is, but his fastball is still two to three miles an hour slower than it was um, back in 2019. Not just 2020, but 2020 as well. So his, his fastball, he's really got to hit his spots, and that's always been something he's good at. He has still been a really steady pitcher. I mean, he started out not so good. And I now I kind of want to go look at the his game logs. I feel like maybe he did the Tigers beat up on him in that bad stretch. Maybe he's bad against the Tigers in general. 
uh, this year. But yeah, he's since he doesn't have like that extra umph on the fastball that was there, and we don't know what occurred exactly. Um, he has to be a lot more perfect. He has to be gotcha. a lot more fine. Uh, and like I said, he hasn't given up more than three runs since May seventh, but he has been pretty consistent in terms of going six innings and giving up three runs in most of his outings. Because uh, the Guardians like uh, fly ball pitchers, and they are loaded with guys who give up home runs. They're just you can. I mean, Tristan McKenzie being leading the he leads the Guardians in home runs right now. Hitters between hitters or pitchers, he is their team leader. <laughs> you know, I, I was curious. And Raj about this earlier that, that uh, you know the Guardians have a bunch of really interesting pitching prospects not too far away, and I was curious if they might do the classic uh, to try to trade Shane Bieber this year because it's not a great starting pitching trade market. Uh, you think he's got what three years left? I mean, you'd you'd get a bundle for him probably, but if he's not the guy he once was, then maybe they would run a hold off so he's he's better or I don't know. I, I, you know, I've always said this offseason is probably the the window to hit for him. We'll see if, uh, if, because that's the problem right now. It's like, I, I don't know what his value is at. Honestly, I don't because he's not a top 10 pitcher in baseball right now. He's just not. I don't think anyone can, can put him in there. Is he in the top 20? I think so. I think he probably still slots in the 20 or so best arms. But he's not really that feared guy that he was for about a year and a half. And I'm not sure what's... Uh, like I said, everything else seems to be good. It's it's kind of a weird thing. And they do the one thing I'll say, like with their pitching, is we're yet to see a lot of those young starters translate. Like Tristan McKenzie, for all of his brilliance, and he was absolutely brilliant this past weekend. Like he uh you know, he, he was just awful. He was their literally their worst starter for a long time. Like during for stretches this year. He hasn't had any consistency. Plesak has been a back-end guy. Aaron Savale has really regressed. Uh, so you're hoping for Gavin Williams. I, I think, he, to me, he's their top pitching prospect just because uh, Espino hasn't pitched in two months. And there's been – I mean, I the minute they drafted him, I said he'll get hurt before he gets to the big leagues. And this is a relatively minor injury, but at the same time, he hasn't pissed, pitched since April. So – wow. You know, that's for a guy. It, that's why I thought like the MLB top 100 prospect list was interesting because they jumped him 30 spots. And I get like the scouting reports from spring were just absolutely filthy that he was ready to pitch in the big leagues now in a relief role, uh, potentially a starting role. And he struck out 50% of the batters he faced. Like, I mean, just unreal numbers. But it was always, he's always a very high risk profile. And we just, he was supposed to be, his return was supposed to be in May and it hasn't happened yet. And it just keeps yeah. getting delayed. So you're kind of and Williams is was drafted last year. Uh, Logan Allen, who I love. I mean, he was someone I was extremely high on. He was my highest rated player in their 2020 draft class. Uh, he's been shellacked two times in AAA since he got the bump up. And I will say that AAA stadium is awful. So <laughs> there's that. But uh, they don't necessarily have anyone that I say like for sure. Uh, is stepping in that right rotation. We're kind of hoping it'd be Cody Morris, uh, but he hasn't pitched at all this year due to injuries. Currently still in the 60 man. So they're, if they, tra- they, you know, I, on my show, I've advocated trading for like going the other way, trying to trade for a Pablo Lopez instead of trading a Shane Bieber, just because they, right now it's Bieber and a bunch of fives in terms of performance this year. And there isn't necessarily anyone. I think I can, there's no one I would sit down and like bang the table and say, he's definitely going to force his way into the rotation next year. 
there was one there was a couple of guys i mean i know that uh in terms of joey joey can uh, Cantillo. uh Cantillo, yeah the, the guy from san diego <laughs> who I, I, that eerie that that akron rotation always for whatever reason was until the series against Erie just recently the, the akron's always given the, the t-wolves fit and then all of a sudden out of nowhere they just busted i was like i think they scored 10 more runs twice in that series i think but uh as far as concerning on his progress his numbers look pretty good down there. he's got a, tw- a k per nine of 12.95 is he still a year or two away before we see him up in in cleveland you know he's he's fascinating because when the you know no one admits this now when the clevenger deal broke out i had to defend that deal like 90 percent of the cleveland responses were negative to that clevenger deal because you know they wanted what uh what seattle got like Taylor Trammell was the bigger name prospect. And I was like, no, you got to trust the guardians evaluation on this. But like people wanted big names. And I was like, no, I think honestly, like, you know, Arias is the number one guy. And I go, the number two guy, I think is Joey Cantillo. Like he fits them to a T and he just missed all that time last year. And they didn't protect him. Like if there was a rule five draft, I thought for sure he would be selected as a left-hander. And you talk about the K rate. It's not just K rate. He also has the lowest hard hit percentage of any pitcher in double or triple A over the course of the season. So he's, wow he's missing bats and he's not getting hit hard and they didn't protect him in the rule five. Now they protected 12 other prospects that their roster is tight to say the least. Um, you know, they still have to add back in two players currently on the 60 day disabled list. You know, and as much as I want to believe at some point, they'll trim the fat with some of the guys who we, you know, don't think are as good. we, I, you know, it's hard to say what, uh, who's Tito's favorite and who th- this team bid against themselves for Brian Shaw. Brian Shaw is already like the fourth highest played player on the guardians. And if he hits all of his appearance incentives, he'll be third highest paid player. Uh, he'll make like, I think he can make up, up to $6 million this year. And it's not even good. It's just, he has to appear in games and we know it, that'll happen. And who else was bidding for Brian Shaw? The guy didn't pitch well after uh, July 1st and you know, I don't know how they're going to manage this roster, but one would think like Cantillo would be one of the first guys they should try. Cause again, he was someone they had to add to the 40 man last year. If you're going to keep him, uh, you know, he's, he's been healthy. He's pitched well. And I'll stand by one of my statements. I've been on my podcast, like the talent that has been in that rotation and double a is pitching, starting pitching wise is better than half the organizations in baseball have. Like it is, yeah fundamentally unbelievable i had hunter gaddis on my show earlier this year and he's like the forgotten man in that rotation and he's he has maybe like he has the best change up in cleveland's entire minor league system it's it's kind of unbelievable what they put together now the question is can they transition up you know we are very excited about again like sam henches has been great in the pen but he was supposed to be the next big thing and it just has not worked out so we're kind of waiting to see who can make that leap. The The interesting thing about the peak guardians pitching staff, when it was like that great grouping, it's Shane Bieber was the only guy who was internally grown. Like everyone else had been a, a trade. You know, Bauer was a trade. Kluber was a trade. Carrasco was a trade. Um, and I get Clevenger was a trade though. You know, he did almost all his development in Cleveland, but it was not fully uh, internal. Yeah, I remember talking to Greg Yang, the voice of the Erie Seawolves, and that was one of the things he was very complimentary about that rubber ducks rotation. And one of the, the last one of the last questions I want to ask you, Jeff, about the draft com- the draft coming up. 
Now we've noticed this before. The is it the Chris? Is it the 2016 draft class that Cleveland made water in the wine essentially? That was the Bieber Plesac Savali draft, wasn't it? Or at least yeah. two of those guys, right? So in this, does Cleveland in terms of what they're looking for this year? Do you have any idea how they're going to pick this their their first pick? Because I know I I'm not familiar with how they draft if it's college bat heavy or. I know they used to draft a lot of high school types, correct? Yeah, they've kind of bounced around. The The funny thing of that 2016 draft, too, is like it, it got all the pub for the pitching. But, the, the you know, you talked about Will Benson. I talked about Nolan Jones. Those were the first and second round picks in that draft class. So it's, it's not just the uh, the starters. They also got the, those two other players we talked about on the show. It, it has a chance to – it's not going to match the 19 – I always get this wrong. It's either the 87 or the 89 draft where they – uh, they drafted T- Jim Tomey and Brian Giles in the same class as and Chris Lekansik and uh, Robert Pearson. They drafted like 10 guys who made to the big leagues and just happened to have like two MVP candidates in it, but it, it could be up there. They, this class, uh, the college pitching is uh, the worst I've ever seen in my entire life. Like it is, it's pretty bad. The The prep talent for pitching is deep, but I'm never one who loves prep pitching. It always kind of scares me. Uh, I am, do not take the uh, Avila view on high school arms at all. And then prep bats, it's like awesome at the front and then kind of weak around where the Guardians are picking. Like, I, I mean, I, I love Jet Williams. I don't know if he'll get there, but uh, it, it's going to be interesting. They've, you know, people link them in a lot of ways, but basically nothing ever comes out. Like they are really good about circling the wagons and not letting, no one had Gavin Williams in a mock to them last year. And I think honestly, knowing this organization they're just going to see who falls you know last year we saw Freilich, McLean, and watson fall to that zone and all those guys were potential top 10 picks so i think they're kind of laying in wait and seeing who's there i you know i, I do think jet williams is someone who fits their approach um i've heard rumors of underslat college players to come back and get a prep player later they have not taken a college bat uh in the first round since Bradley Zimmer, I want to say. Yeah, because Zimmer was after Naquin. But yeah, you know, they've gone mostly in the first round with um, either prep bats, prep arms, or college, not even college pitching. They really haven't. uh, The one thing I'll say is like they went away from (laughs) scouting the past two years and more into like analytically driven data which makes me believe they're more likely to go college just because there's more readily available data out there. So I still think at the end of the day, there's a good chance that they go against type and take a college bat. Cause I think, you know, everyone knows that the angels took only pitching last year. The guardians had 21 picks. They took 19 pitchers. Uh, they were very wow. much, and they took 19 college players. So they had a, a definite type. And I think with the depth of this class being, College bats, I think we'll see that. And I, I also think that like it's a good catcher crop, so I wouldn't be surprised to see them come back and get one either in round two or in that comp round. But right now I'm leaning towards either I'm leaning towards a bat for them, honestly. Right. Well guys, I don't know if you guys have anything else before we uh move on, Chris. <clears throat> no, no, I mean I I I I can see uh Jace Young maybe falling there to Cleveland yeah. at sixteen. He seems to be falling and I can see them pouncing on that. Uh yeah, so it'll be interesting to see how it plays out for sure. That sometimes I feel like that sixteen range is like a nice place to be. Mm-hmm. No, uh, it is. It's, you get to get that guy who, for some weird, you know, thanks to a Frank Mazzucchito, you get to pounce. 
Yeah, <laughs> there, there will always be a couple uh, teams reaching on guys before you, either for, uh, you know, money reasons or for smartest guy in the room reasons or whatever. Mm-hmm. So somebody's going to fall. No, agreed. So that's and why whenever I'm going to ask. Susak might be there. Yeah, Susak, yeah. I think. They have not drafted a draft eligible sophomore in a very, very, very long time. So that's the one thing that slowed me up with with like Susac and um see, like Sterling Thompson. I had heard some connection with at one point in time, but it's I, I honestly can't tell you the last time they drafted a draft eligible sophomore. And I don't know if it goes against models or boards. They were rumored to really like Cole Wilcox, but obviously that didn't come together. So it's been it's been a while since they drafted a draft eligible sophomore. So that makes me I and I also think like Logan Tanner is the one to watch because they put such a huge value on defense, especially like pick 37. He kind of is one of those guys that stands out to me. I think the last uh, Tigers draft eligible sophomore was either Tyler Alexander or Drew Smiley. I don't know if Alexander was draft eligible sophomore or junior yet. I know they drafted him twice. I would have sworn he was a junior, though. Maybe he, he, he may I, have been. I, I'm pretty sure Smiley was drafted a little eligible sophomore, but not, I don't know. Event. For some reason, I was thinking Alexander was a sophomore after you said it, so maybe I'm. Yeah, now uh, yeah. Two, now I got to look it up because <laughs> I think <laughs> I think what Smiley was a sophomore. I'm no, I'm yeah, I'm, no, I'm curious myself. Uh, get there first. Let's see. Yeah, let's see here. I oh crap! In baseball reference, I don't have his college stats. No, that's why I use baseball cube. Oh yeah, that's duh, that's the best thing ever. The cube, yeah. But uh, I've always enjoyed the cube. It, yeah, it yeah. gives me the data I want right there. Only yeah, yeah like draft eligible cube. sophomore. Yes, who was? All right. He uh, Alexander was a draft eligible sophomore. Oh, okay. After. So he was just the uh, 2014, 2015, and then played for the you know got drafted by the Tigers. So you, you were correct. It, it jogged my memory, and you said it. I was like, oh, that's right. So. That was back when you could like chalk them up for a TCU player every year, and then I don't know, a they followed, by, them and followed by a Tennessee player. For some Tennessee reason. Vanderbilt, yeah, Tennessee yeah. And Vanderbilt. The, that was during when the Guardians were all about Virginia, which is just yeah. so. Anyone who listens to my podcast knows, like, I rip on that Virginia program all the time because, like, the third highest WAR of any player from Virginia is Mark Reynolds. Like, it's just not. You know, they they produce one starting pitcher. Uh, <laughs> they tell guy like it's like. Mike Pappy came to the Guardians and didn't know how to use his massive legs. Like, just it was all like it's all pull up. You know, it's, it's just one approach. Go and do this. Yeah, they were kind of the East Coast version of Stanford for a long time. Stanford yeah, had yeah. the Stanford swing, and, and people didn't like that. At least it didn't work out the pros. And, and uh, I don't know if Virginia is still using that, but uh, yeah, I or, can't uh, think of Daniel Lynch. You're hoping on Lynch. Got a bit of bumpy road. Or not trash, or when people are. With Rice, you don't draft a pitcher from Rice because you know full well that they have 150 uh, pitches per yeah. start. But so yeah. I still like, man, I love John uh, Duplantier, and I still blame Rice for ruining him. Like I, I think, I don't know, that's going to be my irrational love guy forever. I just he was so smart, and the fastball was so good. I was like, this guy should absolutely thrive in modern baseball. But yeah, right. And TCU did not have the best rep back in that day when the Tigers were going there grabbing some guys as well. I, you know, the, wasn't that where Finnegan was? Uh, Yep. The undersized lefty who Kansas City took with their concerns with him being a TCU arm. Well, no, they had they had Williamson, who's now with the Reds, and uh, who's the other kid? Lodolo, Lodolo. I mean, yeah, yeah we'll see. But anyway, we can, we can nerd out about the draft. Yeah, no, I and I have like three tabs open, and one of them is literally me working on <laughs> writing out my big board. Like that, just I'm 
everyone's putting them on list. Uh, like it looks like Google Excel list anymore. And I, I can't do that. I still have to like literally write my, do my research, write my box on it, you know, write my like yeah. 10 sentences. Cause then like writing that out really helps crystallize it for me. And then I'm like moving guys up and down. Like who, I just, just give a massive kinda... like jump. Who was the guy I just moved way up relative to everything else? Uh, Cole Young. Cole Young. Oh yeah. High school. Yeah. You know, and then I'm, I'm like, I'm the low man by far on Gavin cross. That's, that's the guy. Interesting. Be like, what are you? So, you know, I know I've already taken so much of your time. Here's my general theory on why I'm low on Gavin awesome. Cross is guys like him who are like 50, 55 on everything, but don't have any standout tool. They always seem to fail. Like that guy who's just does a little bit of everything. Who's an outfielder. It works at other positions for like the steel walkers of the world. The, that guy where I feel like it's 50, 50, 50, 50, nothing that carries. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. That's- Maybe it's irrational, but. No, it, it, the thing that is, when it does make sense, and I, that was a guy just by doing, I, I started doing a little more research recently to get ready for next week, and I was, no, you know, Cross would have been fine with me. Um, another guy I wish that I don't think it's going to happen that's going to fall would be Brooks Lee, the shortstop. Mm. Um, I, th- I thought he would be. I don't know if he, if he does or not, but a guy. Uh, but the Tigers don't draft shortstops. No, they don't. one in the well, Scott well, Moore is the closest you've had in the last. Well, but check I mean. Yeah, but well, Pacheco, but he's not Pacheco. in the shortstop. It's yeah, he's, I don't yeah, think exactly. Brooks Lee is a shortstop either. And uh-huh. if he if he falls to twelve, it's because yeah. there's some serious injury concerns. Yeah, now they uh, like I said, Scott Moore was the last one who's technically listed there. If you look yeah. at Baseball Draft Finder, but he was like a third baseman, he's I think, third baseman and then he was drafted. And then it's like the only true uh, shortstop was. There's been one true shortstop that the Tigers have taken in the first round in the whole history. And the, you know, it's it's always my joke because like. The shortstop is the quarterback of this draft, and the Tigers refuse to draft them for whatever reason. It's like it's just like a a why? Why do you keep? And listen, I already said I don't like prep pitchers, so of course I wouldn't love what the Tigers did last year. I, I know he's pitched great, and it's 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 its thing. I just have my own concerns with the flammability. Flamma, you know what I mean? The, there's no such thing as a pitching prospect. But like for them to pass on all those shortstops. I was just like, come on, Tigers. They're right there for you. Just the guy that everyone and their mother heard you loved is right there. Just, just take him, just take him. It is like as much as, I mean, on the Tiger Mind we report every time we well, Chris will post a Jackson Job stat line. He immediately gets, they, they immediately rip it no matter what it is. He can, he could, he could have, well, why do you only pitch two innings? Well, that's the way the guy is set up, but at the same time, I, for every that, there's some jerk off who always will tweet out what uh, uh, Marcel, you know, yeah. yeah. And mm-hmm. meanwhile, everybody is Chris and Chris pointed this out too. Everybody seems to ignore that Isaac Pacheco has been a highlight. He's actually getting better defensively in Lakeland. Is he still a shortstop? No, but he has been able to handle the position better. Comparatively speaking, when the first time I saw him in Lakeland, Jeff, and or the early in the season, he looked awful on just the simple plays, transferring the ball to second base on a double play. He booted a grounder. But he's looking better from what little TV we do have. But when I was down in Lakeland, he hammered the ball pretty well. But it's but you're right. It's even with like second baseman, for whatever reason the Tigers will pick a second baseman that's like a slap hitter. Like they have a like a slap hitter type. I think of guys like Danny Worth. It's like always an undersized second baseman. Will Rhymes comes to mind too. Scott Sizemore. I mean, he was a decent sized second base, but they never pick a guy that's like 
I don't know, it's like a power hit in second, not necessarily a power hit in second baseman, but just athletic one, I guess, is my... I mean, you, you could move Dylan Dingler back to there. I still think he could handle second if you really had him concentrate on it, you know. <laughs> right. I mean, he, was, he was an outfielder. I don't know if he's ever played infield. but I thought he played a little oh. bit of infield at, at, in high school, not, not have, in college. Yeah. Um, I think he was he played, like, essentially, I think he was at Jackson in Ohio. I could be yeah, wrong yeah. there. But I think he, he was, I feel like he played, in my mind, for some reason, he was second base, center field, catcher. <laughs> is my pro, but I I could be wrong. That just some things wedge in my head and are right. Some wedge in and that's, are completely wrong. That's probably I, I I didn't know much about him as a high schooler. I know he was teammates with was it Kyle Nicholas? I think so. That what was just again. This is me nerding out. Like that was Ohio State's like greatest recruitment class ever. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Lonsway it didn't really work out. He was academically ineligible his first year, and then the control issues. Xavier Moore got drafted in thirteenth round and signed. But they had like an outfielder like. His name was Ruby, who was like a bigger name than Dingler was in that class. And he never really even played. And they got like five or six big recruits. And it uh, unfortunately just did not come together for that. I mean, that Ohio State program is third best in the state, fourth best in the state for development. It's, you know, the name still gets them recruits, but um, it's it's interesting to watch that place i don't know it's like the tigers they could be set up for a nice situation like cole young he probably will be right there if they want to go out and like uh i I think jet williams has a chance to stick at second and i know like people will look at the fight i get very very uh this is my rant point i get very tired of the like hey he's five eight he can't hit for any power and i just like I understand swings may not, but I like look at an exit velocity, look at some of the stuff like you, we can now get speed rating on hands. Just know like bat speed plus uh, velocity plus launch angle. Like I don't have their launch angles. That's the one thing that would really help. But I, I think for a lot of guys, we we look at someone who's six foot five and we assume there's more power coming. And then we look at someone who's five eleven and we think they can't hit for any power and we completely ignore that like Jose Altuve and Jose Ramirez exist. Yeah, I mean, I would have, I would have bet anything that Alec Bohm would hit for power, and uh, eventually, but no, he's just a six foot five, skinny slap hitter. Weird. Yeah. Somebody, somebody in the chat mentioned on YouTube, uh, or YouTube chat that Devon Travis. That's a good call. Forgot about Devon Travis. Who was? Mm-hmm. It was a guy I think who about wrote, him with the Blue Jays. Yeah, but he rose. He was one of the first. It, it stood out because it was the first time where we're looking at some of the. I remember going, wait, Tigers have a second wait, the prospects that actually hit what, what? Like just stood out to me. But uh, so Jeff, what do you have uh, coming up for Locked On Guardians? What are you doing for the draft night? Uh, so we're going to, I'm going to cross over if I locked on prospects guy, Lindsay, for, we're going to do kind of like a 30, 40 minute after show. I'm going to just, I'm going to sit there on YouTube and stream it. I've decided I did it a year ago or two years ago by myself. I did it last year with, um, is a terrible human being. I'm blanking on his name because I'm like 40 now and there's too many names in there and they don't all stick. Uh, the former host of locked on prospects. Uh, <laughs> that, great that guy. Yeah. Uh, that great. He's, that you know, he's, yeah. he, he does a lot of great work. Oh, this is, I'm a terrible human being. Um, but and it was fun and we did it for three hours. I'm like, you know what? I, I'm going to sit here. I'm going to watch it anyway. So I'm just going to, I'm going to sit here and stream and I'm going to talk for like three hours probably by myself, just about all the picks, the prospects, my take, I'll have my own big board posted because again, I do it very different. I I do. It's I'm not gonna like Gavin Cross is 17th on my board. I'll just put that out there now. Like I am like I I'm not gonna 
I always go back to when I wrote for Scout and it's like I kept being slow to move up Benintendi because I always had him like 10 spots higher than everyone else. And then by the time we got to the draft day, other people had moved him past where I had him. Like I just needed to believe in what I had seen and what I had known and not think that consensus knows better than me on everything. Often they do, but not every time. So it's about confidence and things like that. So I'm going to, I'm going to have my own live stream and uh, I'll be doing a ton there. And I'm peppering locked on guardians podcast with just draft content between now and, uh, and then uh, as much as I can, uh, especially because the product on the field has been a little bit depressing since then uh, as you know, Tigers fans got to see. Definitely. And hopefully we'll be able to cross our, cause we're also doing a live show. We have a bunch of, bunch of like serious or not serious. Sorry. We have a bunch of guests. Um, so hopefully at some point we can cross the streams as they would yeah, say. Uh, Ghostbuster awesome. style. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, Jeff, as you can find them on Twitter and I'm blanking out on your name, Jeff MLB draft. Yep. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Sorry. The, the same thing for I'm, I'm 40 and I'm all of a sudden like just no, what, things what don't I always still don't connect. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, always a great follow and his baseball knowledge is uncanny to none. And again, if you ever want to talk some non-baseball stuff, four games the way to go, whatever you want to talk I mean, to Jeff about. have a few back there you can see. Yeah. I mean, you know, they, they made uh locked on said that they wanted some more like something. So I have like, I have my baseball highlights game. I have bottom of the ninth. <laughs> I have fantasy, fantasy baseball. So I put on all my uh, baseball board games. Nice front and center. Uh, I like the map too. Actually, that's a, that a yeah. My wife got that for me. It's like all the stadiums. Like it even has nice. like, for instance, I have the sticker up because I've been to both. But like it, you know, mentions like uh, old Tiger Stadium, which is still like I, I think we've talked about that when I've been on the show before. Like going there as a kid is still a very fond memory. Playing Ken Griffey Jr. baseball and then the cages out there gave them original look. It's the same yeah. reason why like I love Kansas City. I love Kauffman Stadium to this day. It's like old Tiger and. Kaufman uh, Stadium stood out. They were different. They were original. They were fun. So nice. Awesome. All right. Well, Jeff, we'll talk to you soon. And uh, thanks again for coming on. We appreciate it, man. No thanks, problem. Jeff. Have a great one. Jeff. You too. All right. Jeff Ellis joining us from Locked On Guardians. It's a guy who's he's a regular on the podcast. So we're, we want to talk some uh, Indians, the series. And by the way, we were in case you guys didn't notice the subtle no hitter alerts I was doing. Uh, right now, the Tigers have uh, – it's the bottom of the seventh right now, and Detroit's up one to nothing as Bill Brisky's just been removed. His final line on the night is six innings, six one-thirds innings, two hits, one walk, and four strikeouts. And again, Dylan Cease has been a beast for the White Sox, but he made one mistake, and that was to uh, Baez. As far as Cease goes, six innings, three, uh, three hits, one run, three walks, and eight strikeouts for him so far as Tigers. And again, the Tigers can never – or never getting to call Dylan C. So, but uh, in terms of the offensive side of things, Robbie Roseman with a hit and Jonathan Scope, and that's really about it. He's been mowing down the line pretty quickly. I'll tell you, Brisky threw a couple of wonderful sinkers in the first couple innings. He got Abreu and he got uh, Luis Robert. Gorgeous pitches, buried him inside on their hands. They had they could do nothing with it. Um, you know, I, I know I'm a broken record about pitching inside, but man, he was owning the inner half, and that was really evident that he was keeping them in check. That was fun to watch. Yeah, I think uh, I haven't looked at the stats, but it's probably his best start as a big leaguer. I, uh, you know, six six and a third. I guess he's still responsible for the runner on first right now, but six and a third scoreless. Um, yeah, really impressive. 
the White Sox aren't the world's best offense, but uh, still, to go out there and outduel Dylan Cease is definitely something. Yeah, there's and the one thing about this whole entire the, the about the White Sox that I is of course Jose Abreu with a single with the second hit of the day. It was just Jose Abreu, twenty-seven home runs. He has three. He's batted three ten against the Tigers a lifetime. So it is impressive what he'd be able to do. Um, I really like that brisky kid. Yes, <laughs> you do comment. Yes, he is. He is. Uh, he's out there. He had. He had runners on. Yeah, he, he had Harrison at third. And he was able to get him. Get him out. So, um, but Dylan C is just pitching masterclass. So, but uh, yeah, that's in terms of Tiger news this week. I wanted to kind of address a couple of things real quick before we get into our segments and make a quick segment because. I did not realize you were so sick, Chris. So I apologize. I don't want to keep your. I didn't tell you, so it, it, it's not a big deal. I just am kind of, uh, you know, it's just a classic cold. Where I'm like, eh. I start off well, with I saw- the sore that I hate, and now I suddenly am just dripping. I'm just dripping. <laughs> well, when I saw you with the coffee mug, I was alarmed because I'm like, oh, he usually drinks a Coke Zero right about now, and uh, pick yeah, up it's, uh, that's just green tea. Just uh, you know, trying to switch it up. So where I want to start with it was some of Alavila's comments to the press in, in regards to some of the stuff. So uh, you, Brian, I'll start with you in terms of what you saw. You, you spoke to the media. The, the one day, by the way, the one day I don't go to a game. That's <laughs> how it is, but whatever. Anyway. Yeah, what are you going to do, right? Yeah. Well, I, I know the, the, the way he was handling the Eduardo Rodriguez questions, I thought was fine because it is eerie. It is starting to be eerie that we have not heard anything from his agent nor him at all. He hasn't returned anything. So, yeah, but, yeah, I just, I, Thinking back, I was just trying to. When have you ever heard that that a that a a player has just kind of dropped off the map and gone silent on a team? You know, you don't hear that very often. So that it is very strange. Uh, what could he say? I mean, he does him no good to speculate, really, other than to be honest and say we haven't heard back, and it's something that we're 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 worried about. We're monitoring. Um, hopefully, something emerges on that one pretty soon. But it 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 was very bizarre. And it the bad part is it allows people on Twitter and everywhere else to just keep openly speculating about lots of weird stuff. You know, it doesn't do anybody any good. <laughs> so uh, I don't know. And Chris, I mean, what's your what was your whole thought about that? Well, I actually have have that as my ugly, so I can just do that right now if you want. Um, yeah, so. but, well, specifically the Eduardo Rodriguez thing. Like we've we've talked before. We're we're a player-friendly podcast, and we, we like to talk about players as people. So having, like, personal issues is totally fine. We accept that. We've, we've heard stories about Tigers players dealing with stuff like that before. I believe it wasn't at Maglio, whose wife was, was going through, like, cancer treatment, and, and he was having a terrible season, and everybody was getting on him, and nobody knew that. Um, and, and so, you know, and you feel awful when you hear stuff like that. And, and then people are people. They've got issues. They've got uh, depression. They've got marital things. The, the the bizarre part of it is that he just has not contacted them at all. I think everybody would totally understand if he says, you know what, I, I, I just can't think about baseball right now. Just say that. That's all right. you have to say. But he hasn't contacted the Tigers. His agent won't respond to uh, the press inquiries. So unless like he and his wife are patching things up with like a, a month-long ayahuasca bender in Peru, <laughs> I, I don't get it. And, and, and he's making it so – like there's rampant speculation because yeah, I understand like, people have emotional issues and, and, and 
life issues, but it's not that hard to just have tell your agent, hey, tell them this. That's all you have to do. And, and he hasn't. So I, at least if we're to believe Hinch and Avila, I don't know. I don't know what else uh, it, you know, to really say about it. But yeah, it's just it's turning into kind of an ugly situation. I, I guess what has helped it uh, out is, you know, number one, he wasn't pitching all that well for the Tigers. Uh, they found some decent pitching from nowhere and the Tigers aren't any good. So it's not like suddenly affecting their play- playoff race. You know, he's just kind of disappeared out of sight, out of mind. But uh, right. it's definitely like it, it's bordering. I, I put it as my ugly because it feels kind of ugly at this point. And Chris, Christopher had a question in YouTube chat. Do you guys think the Tigers might be considering attempting to avoid his contract? Honestly, I don't, I, I, I can't say anything to, to that. I don't, I don't think they are. I think that again, what he's going through I mean, personally. Go ahead, Chris. They're not, they're not, they're not paying him right now. So it's right. not like a huge, like he uh, elected to do this. He's on the restricted list. They're not paying him. So it's not a, a big deal. I'm sure that they've cons- like, they considered all their options and, and, who knows what's actually going on? And if he doesn't want to come back, then yeah, I'm sure they would look for a way to avoid it or get insurance or whatever. But I, I think their preferred course of action would be that he's fine, his personal life is good, and he comes back a healthy and, and productive member of the team. But uh, you know, they're they're a business organization, so they've got to consider everything, right? Oh, absolutely. I can't recall a contract being voided. I'm sure the union would fight that. Was it Aaron Boone? Didn't Aaron Boone's contract get voided after uh, hurting his knee playing basketball? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I remember that. That's, that's true, but you know that's one example. <laughs> There's just not that many. I that's think, the right. I think yeah. they're, they're not paying him, so you write it out and hopefully you get him back. Yeah, that's all. I mean, again, it's one of those things where I. We don't know, and the, the whole. The, by the way, I did not know that about Mango's wife. I literally, I did not know that until you just said that now. Really. Well, I, uh, maybe I'm misremembering, but I thought that that was the case. Was that that he was having a terrible season, and it turned out his wife was dealing with something like a, a severe illness, and it just you know, he was a professional, and, and rather than take time off, decided to try to help the team. No, so maybe Chris- baseball would help him. You know, Christopher, he said that he only asked about the speculation on the Bless You Boys message board. And no, it's a fair question. It's a good question, too. And so, but for me, I just, I don't know. Like, the way way Avila handled the press conference this weekend, impromptu about the whole thing, personally, I think they're just waiting to see what happens and then from there make a decision. But um, I'm not. I'm not going to say he's sour in Detroit or anything. That's not the vibe I'm getting. So, but uh, no, Chris, Christopher, thank you for the question. That was a really good question. We, we appreciate it. Top of the eight, right, eighth right now. Tigers still up one, nothing. Alex Lang just blown away White Sox hitters. And we got classic pitchers duel, which has been a nice surprise because with the way the offense clicked against the Guardians, Cody Clemens has been hitting better. I'm still not going to – Lynn Henning prophecy is trying to come through. Um, so, oh, that's a good one too. Um, Sydney P- Ponson, that's a name I haven't heard in a long time. Good, good uh, call there. That's a, that's a dig deep one. The wow. sweaty, wasn't he? Where was he? He was from the West Indies, wasn't he? Where was he from? Uh, I just remember being like just a general sweaty gentleman. Was he from Curacao? I don't think he was from Curacao. I think he was from like the Bahamas. Could be. I have to look it up. Yeah. But, but again, that's, Victor Reyes walked. What? Sorry. Uh, Sorry to interrupt. We interrupt this broadcast with a... 
Dr. Wes Watka. Yeah. Just, so what else did what else did Avila chat about? I mean, what else, what do we need to uh, Torkelson a little bit? Yeah, and again, just kind of saying the guys are not hooting, and that's just really about it. And that he doesn't like losing, just kind of saying that stuff. But yeah, I mean, he basically said everybody's to blame, right? Yeah, he or, said uh, I'm to blame, every, the players to blame, everybody's to blame. Everybody Sydney Hudson was from Aruba, by the way. Aruba. Aruba. That's Aruba. Harry Carey's favorite country. Yeah. Aruba. Aruba, Aruba, but uh, yeah, that's in terms of other uh, elements of news this week. The congratulations to Wilmer Flores and Dylan Engler, who were named to the MLB Futures Game. And what's funny was, <laughs> so there is something to be there. It's a great honor, don't get me wrong, but at the same time, it, people were kind of maybe perhaps scratching their heads about Dingler because based off his numbers. Uh, Chris, did you want to kind of answer that question or not answer that question, but kind of, Oh, well, it, it's, it's a different version of the kind of problem teams run into with the big league all-star game. It, every team needs to have at least one player. There's 50 players in the futures game. So 20 teams get two and 10 teams get one. Uh, so they need to figure all that out. And then they also need to find players at every position. And sometimes it's, you know, are there three or four catchers? American League uh, prospects better than Dylan Dingler? Maybe, maybe not. He's he, he's probably certainly among like the top ten American League catching prospects. And so then it's a matter of like, uh, you know, which prospects we feel from which organizations deserve it. And sometimes it's a matter of which the organizations have to allow these players to go. So like, uh, like I don't know if Gabriel Moreno is still up with the Blue Jays right now. He is. So yeah, I mean, he he probably would have gone, but since he's with the Blue Jays, he's not there. So that creates room for for Dingler. Um, and it's not that, you know, and he, he was a highly drafted guy, you know, top 40 pick, uh, well-regarded, been a top 100 type prospect on fan graphs, So at least, you know, considered a, a solid prospect. So it makes sense uh, from that perspective. And uh, I'll just say the overall draft class, not draft class, the futures game class this year is not terribly exciting to me. I think it's because there's so many awesome, good young players in the big leagues right now, like <laughs> you know, Bobby Witt and Julio Rodriguez and, and Riley Green and, and Torkelson. Um, you know, all these big names are, are, are kind of – so it's going to be an interesting game for, for some of these younger guys to, to pop up. You know, everybody's talking about Jackson Churio right now. Ellie De La Cruz hit three home runs today. I don't know if you saw one of the highlights, the, his third home run of the game against the White oh, Caps. yes. It hit the dude in the head, and the guy just went out. I was like, oh, man. Oh. Uh, oh, yeah, I, saw, I was I was coming home and I got the alert and I was going to my phone. I was like, what the? Yeah. <laughs> oh, man, that was. Yeah, it was tough. You got to pay, tough. You gotta keep your head on a swivel out there in the outfield. Yeah. But, uh, I mean, he's, he's got, what, 18 home runs and 25 steals as a six foot four shortstop. It's like he's going to be super fun to watch. Yeah, he's on the 40 man roster already, isn't he? I think so. I don't know. I think he is. I, I, for whatever reason, that stands out to me because you don't see a lot of high A players on 40-man rosters, and I think he was on there. It's time for Rogelio and Chris to go inside the numbers. Fire. All right, it's time for inside the numbers. All right, Uper, you lead off. What is your inside the number? I went, we're very simple today. Um, my inside the number is 30. Uh, Aaron Judge, second player ever to have multiple seasons of 30 plus home runs before the all-star break, which I thought was pretty impressive. Can you guys name the other? Sammy Sosa? No. Okay. Uh, wait, 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 hold on. Wait, wait, hold on. We put some qualifiers on this thing. 
Isn't Reggie the last Shut, shut up. Shut up. <laughs> All right. Has this happened in the last 30 years? Yes. Okay. All right. There we go. Let's, Chris we is, have a, the era, the two guys that Chris just named roughly era. Era is pretty good. Okay. So then I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to guess out of it's a, it's a player out of the National League, isn't it? No. Well, oh. no, well, <laughs> partially, but mostly AL. Hmm. Hmm. Jim Tomey? No. Barry Bonds. That's no. He, he never played in the AL. Oh, no, yeah, that's right. No, no you, said said, partially. you said McGuire and who? Sosa. Sosa. Um, Ken Griffey Jr. There you go. That makes sense. Yep. So, oh, well, wait a minute. What did he do to retire? Oh, man. Okay. All right. Well, 30. Okay. I'm an idiot. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I'm an idiot. <laughs> I keep. I'm I don't believe he, he never hit. What was his, his season, single season high? 57? 56? Ooh, I want to say 56 sounds right, but. It might have been 57. Um, that's kind of wild, though. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, Aaron Judge is, is doing something. All right. Let's see. 56. He, uh, Griffey hit 56 two years in a row, 97 and 98. Not that's, bad. Not bad. Not too shabby. All right, Chris, what is your inside the number? <laughs> Excuse me. Mine is uh, 122, also kind of simple tonight. It's uh, based on a tweet from our account uh, last night, but I still think it bears mentioning that is the Detroit Tigers way to runs created plus as a team since Wiley, Riley Green joined. Huh? Keith, it's not counting tonight when they have three hits and four walks and one run. But uh, yeah, it was th- through 17 games after Riley Green joined. It was the fourth best WRC plus in all of baseball behind only Houston, the Dodgers and Milwaukee. That's um, not all Riley Green, of course, because like Eric Haas has been been great. Javier Baez has, has had his hot streaks. Uh, Clemens and Grossman and Reyes and Cabrera are all playing well too. So it's it's an above average offensive team all of a sudden, <laughs> you know, notwithstanding the first uh, I don't know, fourteen weeks of the season. <laughs> but uh, yeah, and, and you know, it certainly doesn't hurt to to add a player to the lineup who's going to get on base at like a thirty seven percent rate, like, like Green is. Although tonight he hasn't gotten on base, but he does have the hardest hit ball of the game. So I don't know. He's always doing something. Like you just feel like sometimes the results aren't there, but but the process is fantastic with him. Yeah, trust the process with that. Yep. Uh help myself. So my mm-hmm. inside number was one I tweeted out the other day, and it's something that I I don't I think it's a I think it's an impressive stat, but for whatever reason people may not think that and I I, I don't know. But um so <laughs> let's see if I can refine it here. So it okay, here it is. Miguel Cabrera's at at until tonight, coming into today, his 78 hits are most the most for any player through 70 games that is 39 years or older. And the title list includes Doc Kramer, who hit 74 hits at this time in, ni- in 1945, Al Kaline in his final season, 74 hits, Daryl Evans, 59 hits, 1986, and at the age of 40, had 58 hits. And the, the uh, Victor Martinez had 60 hits in 2018. But what's interesting is, the one that finished with a higher batting average of all that, it's it's not like it's nothing glamorous, but it would be Doc Kramer, two seventy five for a full season. He played in one hundred and forty one games. So Daryl Evans, by the way, who I, I got to give a lot of credit to Daryl Evans at the age of thirty nine and forty, he played in one hundred and fifty games. Mm. Like and he was also playing multiple positions too. I mean, yep. in eighty seven, he was playing. 
he had to play third because the Tigers decided for whatever reason they wanted to treat Darnell Coles and they had all these issues at third base, as I recall. So Darrell Evans had to play first and third at the age of 39 because because <laughs> Sparky Anderson, you know, God bless his soul, but sometimes he didn't, for whatever reason, was just hell-bent on playing his veterans no matter what. Yeah, you thought I was going to say something else cringeworthy, but no. It, yeah, so let's not – yeah, anyway. But, yeah, that is – by inside number, it's really it's, it's seventy eight because I think that to me that's impressive. And here yeah. we are. He is he's in the top ten in the American League in batting average, and he's slapping singles. And some people, there was someone on Twitter that was like, "Oh, who cares?" Like he's thirty nine years old. You idiot! What the hell's wrong with you? <laughs> anyway, he is making thirty five million dollars, but <laughs> no, I mean, I, I gave him, I gave him, I, I gave him a C. I did a report card today. I wanted to give him a B. But I was trying to be consistent with actual, you know, like not taking. I thought, your grade was fair. I thought your grade was fair, Chris. Honestly, I, I thought. Uh, but I compared him to a tennis player. It's it's. I've never seen a guy with such just impressive bat control. It's like he just knows how to manipulate his bat to get the ball to go where he wants. Uh, yeah. it, it's like yeah. It's just it's it's kind of remarkable to watch. It's a very strange uh, hitting profile with an isolated power of like point zero six five. I was looking at like similar seasons and I found like Wade Boggs and Tony Gwynn. He's hitting kind of like them, but um, yeah. So, you know, when you think about Wade Boggs and Tony Gwynn, back control, incredible batsman, yeah. you know, just left the left-handers, but that, yeah. that's almost not surprising when you think about it. That That's really interesting. You found that. Because yeah. It's, he, it's... he had that bat yesterday. Again, he's, I, I love the singles. I have no problems with it. You know, he's at the end of his career. He's doing a, he's doing what he can do, and it's fun to watch. But he hit one just short of the warning track yesterday to the opposite field. Um, yeah. And to me, as soon as he hit it, my mind flashed back to 2012, you know, and that ball is gone. No question about it. And now he's 15 feet shy of the wall. You know, that's kind of the difference in baseball. That's the difference between 30 and 38. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's okay. really, sorry. Look, I just, look. it was, it's, it's, it's been a, a, a really strong illustration of, of how great of a hitter, like we didn't need to see that really, but how great of a hitter he was. He was just a great hitter who was strong enough to hit 30 plus home runs every year. And now he's a great hitter with no legs. Yeah. He's captain. He's uh Captain Dan or Lieutenant Dan, no legs. Oh. God, that was bad. I'm sorry. That was that was. A, Lieutenant I, I can get it. Yeah, but uh, there's a lot of younger people in the audience going, "Why did you do a Force Gump uh, uh, drop there?" The good. Oh, that's good. The bad. Oh, that's bad. And the ugly. Oh, All right, it's time for the good and the bad, the ugly, and uh, for the sake of saving Chris's voice, I'm gonna go back to Uper. Normally I would go to uh, I, I alternate, but this time I'm going to go to Uper again for this. Sounds good. Uh, my good. I think this might be the second time this month I used Rob Manfred in the good category. Uh, I know is that amazing? I I like the idea that somewhere in the CBA they buried the 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 thing that he can name legends to the All Star game. You know I, I have no problem with that. The All Star game doesn't count for anything anymore. So other than to have fun and put on a show for baseball. So if they want to have one guy for each league who's kind of ceremonially there, I think it's great. Uh, whether that guy plays or not, doesn't matter. Uh, but that might be a nice way to honor people as they kind of phase out 
of their all-star type careers. So uh, I thought that was good to hear that. Bad, Chris Sale. More bizarre behavior. Rexa television over a minor league rehab start. Acting like a nut. I mean, I to say, it. he just looked crazy um, over walking a guy in the fifth inning of a rehab start. You know, when you, when you couple that on with his scissors and the jerseys a few years ago, uh, which, by the way, I loved those uniforms. I thought those were cool, the dark blues uh, in Chicago. And when he uh, threatened to boycott when uh, Adam LaRoche was bringing his son to spring training, the guy's just different. And I don't get it. Now, I guess he did, you know, he popped six grand for the meal. He bought a new TV for the clubhouse. Hopefully, he also tipped the guy who had to clean up for him. Well, I, I'm going to assume he did. So I think he knows he's an idiot, but he sure goes was out of his way to prove it a lot. So, and it's, it's, it's fun to me that, like, I remember playing Little League with kids like that who, who would get super upset and, like, kick up dirt on the way back out to the field. And it's just yeah. it's kind of fun to know that some of those kids just never grew up. <laughs> yeah. Exactly right. But luckily, he could throw 96, so that helped him out a lot. <laughs> um, my ugly is a guy I'm actually hoping the Tigers draft uh, in about the 6th to 8th round I figure maybe oh, even okay. I thought you were going to go with Harold Kum- or Kumar again there no no I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm trying to stay Kumar free okay. I, I, I said Harold Kumar again. I, just, just for you guys I'm trying to stay Kumar free I didn't ask Jeff about Kumar I thought about it but I didn't do it <laughs> but <laughs> so anyway, uh, Zach Maxwell, oh Georgia, Georgia Tech. Tech reliever, okay, guy throws ninety eight. He's had some success. Had a little bit of a rough year this year. Finished strong against in, in the in the NCAA playoffs against Tennessee. H- I saw him pitch. Had a great outing. Outing before he was good too. The dude is six foot seven, but he has. The dad bod of dad bods. Okay. This guy's got, name is Zach what? Maxwell. Maxwell. He's got himself, you know, he's got the double chin. He's got a big gut. Got some love handles. He's got the whole thing going. He looks like a dude who just mowed his lawn. He's sitting in his garage having a beer. And the phone rings and they say, Hey, we need you to fish tonight. Okay. So that's I love the guy. He's ugly, but he can throw 98 and he's six foot seven. There's got to be something you can make out of that. So Zach Maxwell is my name to watch <laughs> right around the eighth round for the Tigers. All right. You know what? I'm I not, bet, I, go ahead, Chris. I was just saying, I bet he doesn't make it that far. I bet he gets drafted in the fifth round just based okay. on, based on, uh, I remember Joe Boyle was this big, I mean, they weren't sloppy, but like big, hard throwing college pitchers who, who couldn't throw strikes. Joe Boyle went in the fifth round. Eric Sarantola went in the fifth round. Like pro pro staffs uh, salivate at that sort of thing. Like we're gonna we're gonna put this guy in fat camp. We're they're, gonna, sal- uh, they're salivating over this right here. Yeah, now, well, he's been he, reliever he's only. Right. I mean, yeah, I can't he, talk, but he's never that started honor. a game. Yeah. I mean, you know, Lance Lynn isn't out there looking like a uh, you know a GQ well, model. Is this it, him it, right it, here? Yeah. I'm telling you, no. The other night he. He's, this is an old picture or something. He was looking bigger. <laughs> really? All right. Well, I'll have to, I'll have to find. I'll have to, I'll have to find that. Uh, 
Uh. <laughs> yeah, but uh, oh, I want uh, there's by the way there's a piece of audio I found about uh, about Rob Manfred by the way. Let's see here. And well, in Whoville they say that the Grinch's small heart grew three sizes that day. <laughs> and like then it. the true meaning of Christmas. Yeah. So yeah, Rob Manfred's heart. Through three sizes that day. All right, Chris, <laughs> what is your good and bad the ugly? Uh, yeah, so I already did my ugly, which was uh, the Eduardo Rodriguez situation. My good is going to be the Houston Astros scouting and player development system. Um, standard, I think, yeah, I mean, we, we've all kind of touched on the Astros in the last couple of years uh, several times. I think we've all had Jordan Alvarez as our good at one point or the other. They, they won today to move to 54 and 28, so they're on pace for 107 wins this year. Uh, would be their fourth 100-plus win season in the last five full seasons, you know, not counting the COVID year. And their down year was 95 wins. Um, and I was just, just – I was thinking about all the players that they've lost over that time. Uh, Carlos Correa is gone. George Springer. Eric Cole. Dallas Keuchel, you know, he sucks now, but he was a Cy Young winner for him. Zach Greinke, you know, he's he's old now, but he was good for them. Justin Berlander, they lost for a season. Lance McCullers, they lost for a season. Jake Odorizzi, they lost for this year. Just no problem at all for them. Yeah. They replaced him with, with Jeremy Pena, a third-rounder. He's uh, having a better season than Carlos Correa at shortstop. Their center fielder is Chaz McCormick, a 21st-rounder, <laughs> who's not been great, but he's been – he's like a one-war player already this year. Doesn't Chaz, Mc, doesn't Chaz McCormick sound like a B-actor name? It does. Yeah. It, it, yeah, like, yeah. You're like, uh, you know, you, you couldn't get, uh, you know, Rock Hudson, so you got Chaz McCormick. <laughs> uh, and then their, their rotation this year it's justin verlander and then it's framber valdez who they got for ten thousand dollars christian javier who they got for ten thousand dollars luis garcia who they got for twenty thousand dollars and jose arquiti who they spent a hundred thousand dollars on they've gotten 48 starts from those dudes in five plus war for about one hundred forty thousand dollars. that's like that's the cost of like an 11th rounder um they I, it, it, we've talked like the tigers have made some modest improvements in player development we're seeing some progress there but there's just just light years between them and Houston. And and my, my, my ultimate point there would be when the Tigers traded for a complex level player when they were, you know, rebuilding, they got Jose Jose King, who is uh who's in West Michigan now. I think he leads a team in strikeouts. Uh, when the Astros traded for a complex level player, they got Jordan Alvarez. They got Jordan Alvarez for half a season of Josh Fields. He is the MVP level talent here. So you're saying you want to hire Jeff Luno? <laughs> I, you know, yeah, I mean, you do have to deal with all the, the terrible stuff that came along, but, but it's just so hard to not appreciate all the, the innovations that they made and the, yes. the yeah, the, just the, the, the way that they were able to find all these good players. I mean, they, the number of things they've done that have been copied now is, is, uh, yeah, I don't know, four or five different things. It's amazing. You guys are familiar with the Star Wars canon, the recent Star Wars canon, right? The last trilogy, a little bit. Ah, uh, yeah, fair enough, yeah. All right, so you know how the Emperor came out of nowhere and then took back over in the last movie, like just because we expected that to apparently. What if, what yeah. if Jeff Lowe is sitting around somewhere in between Houston and Detroit, rather, right? You know, and he's wait like he comes in these rooms like like a ghost. He comes in and is still running the. He could be running the Astros from behind. From the behind the scenes, he's still doing it all, 
and all the the guys are speaking for him are just clones of himself or something, but they've just been <laughs> genetically re-altered or something like that. I know it sounds really stupid and far-fetched and probably not real at all, but imagine him coming somewhere like he he started coming like all of a sudden you see him around town in Detroit and people don't even know who he is because I mean, realistically, unless you know baseball, if Jeff if Jeff was sitting next to you while you're pissing in a, in a bathroom, are you going to know that's Jeff Luell? No. So I would not. Uh, no, I wouldn't either. And so, anyway, my point is, somewhere in the shadows, he's lurking. Let's just, let's, yeah. Yeah, so. You've got to believe with that success, someone, some some club is going to give him a chance someday. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know what it, if he got, uh, did Torkelson get a hit? Yeah, Torkelson got an RBI. All right. Nice. Catch hitter there. That's that's huge. Um, good for him. Maybe, uh, maybe that's Hanch working his mind games there. You're not playing today. Oh, you know what? You're coming in here in the ninth inning. There's a pinch hit situation you got to get. Um, but uh, yeah, like I feel like that was Major League Baseball. It's almost like the old show cause penalty in college football or college sports. Like if you're going to hire this guy, you have to prove to us why it's worth it, and they have to prove why they've uh, you know yeah. changed. And and Luna was never. He always like claimed that he was railroaded. Basically, he was never remorseful at all, and so I don't think that's ever going to work. But who knows? Yeah, um, and, could be. No, go ahead, Ray. No, I was going to say that, and you're right. When you're not showing any kind of remorse, um, that's that's going to happen. I mean, who was who was the guy that the was banned permanently by the uh, there was the, the Braves the Braves guy? Oh, uh, John Capalella. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he didn't get banned or. Jeff is not in that territory yet, but uh, that 108.7 miles per hour off the bat for Torkelson, probably one of his hardest hits all, all season. So, was that the left? What was that? The left or right? Or was it left? Left I think or they said to, to you know, sharp line drive to left field? Oh, duh, it's right there. I'm looking right at it. <laughs> uh, it's been a long day. All right. Uh, so I, I'll just uh, yeah, my bad. I'll, I'm sticking in the the American League West. My bad is the Angels offense. Uh, and I don't know how this keeps happening, but over the last two weeks, the Angels have been the worst offense in baseball. 68 WRC plus, Ooh. basically over the time the Tigers have been one of the better teams. This, de- despite Shohei Otani being amazing, with hitting 250 with two doubles, three homers, nine walks. Mike Trout is just seven for 39 with five walks, four of which were intentional in 17 strikeouts. They've been averaging under three runs a game, and they're they're, they're 11 and 22 since the beginning of June, which is tied with the Reds for the worst record in baseball, ahead of only the A's. Uh, by comparison, the Tigers are 15 and 17 in the same span. So I just, I, it's almost like the Angels have some of that Alavila curse in them, I think. I think I saw somewhere Mike Trout struck out more than Baez this year. Yeah, his percentage is, is, is higher. And Mike Trout has always struck out at a, a fairly high rate, but he's always backed it up with like a 15% walk rate and power. So, so uh, my good this week is Ot- Shoni Otani because he's done something on the pitching side that only a few people have. And that is in the last, in his last four starts, he has not allowed, he's not allowed to run. He has not allowed to run. So going back to June 16th, and it just, and also, or excuse me, in his last three starts, no starter has gone, not allowed to run and have 10 or more strikeouts. And he is, he's tied with a certain, uh, I forgot how many pitchers have done it, but it is against Kansas City, eight innings, two hits, 13 strikeouts. Against the White Sox, five and two-thirds innings, 
five hits, but struck out 11. I mean, that's, that's pretty impressive. And his last start against the Marlins, that's where the streak broke. Unfortunately, the streak broke there. Seven innings, two hits, one run, three walks, and 10 strikeouts. But still, it's an impressive run. And with all the, the, the crap sandwich that is the Angels this season, he is dominating as a pitcher. So you kind of wonder at one point if he just focused. I mean, this is him just doing both roles. And he's doing this at a high level. Again, you're, Chris, you brought this up. You, I know you brought this up too. And there's a lot of fans out there. How is this not headline news every single day on some platform? This, this is amazing. Like, I can't. Anyway, it's it's just it's just unfortunate that their team sucks, and they play on the West Coast in the middle of the night. Yes, it's ridiculous. Yeah, it's it's something that that no one has seen before, and we probably won't ever see again. Like I can't imagine a guy pitching at a Cy Young level and hitting at a at an MVP level at the same time in in twenty twenty two when baseball is harder than it's ever been. It's just it's nuts. It's, uh, and we never get to see a whole lot fun. of it, but he can run like the wind, too. Yeah, he's one of the fastest. I think he has the fastest home to first base time in baseball. Yeah. And, okay. and here, again, it's just it's a waste, unfortunately, that uh, he's with he's in L.A. I mean, I'm sorry to say that, but it's, I'm, I'm actually sorry. I'm not sorry at all, but it's. No, he needs to. I mean, his well, contract for, is coming up. I'm sure the Angels are going to give him. Or try to give him as much money as possible. He needs to get out of there. He needs, for the, to, he needs for to go to the Dodgers. He needs to go to the Yankees. He needs to yes. go somewhere. As much as I hate to even say it, for the good of the sport, he would be amazing in New York. I mean, put him there. Uh, look, I, I, I understand, but here's the thing. As I'm not even doing this as a Midwestern. If he was in with the Dodgers, I'd be fine with it. Dodgers <laughs> or Seattle, that's fine. I just, the thing about New York, the, I think it's, I think he would fit fine in New York, but New York fans are so – I'm so annoyed with the Yankees fans half the time because it's just this sense of entitlement drives me nuts. Yeah, yeah. It is so annoying, and I think it's because sometimes I'm on Twitter too much for, for what we do, and it just get amp, it gets amplified. And I'm sure all there's not all Yankee fans are idiots or anything like that, but it, it, you also have the advent of one of the biggest media organizations out there John Boy Media, which is talking Yankees. And so it's now amplified even more. And so, therefore, if Otani comes, it would just be constantly, yeah. Like everybody's just oh. getting, yeah. So, and you know what? Christopher made a good point in, in the YouTube chat. If Otani played for the Dodgers, the media would be all over him. And I think you're absolutely right about that. So, just, yeah, just be on a good team. I, I would agree with him. I think Christopher's right. That team is just so bad. But how about this? Would the Ricketts spend enough money to bring them to the Cubs? Hell no. Hell no! They no. They, right now they're working on their look. If the Cubs, if they if they brought in Otani for the Cubs, I would be shocked. But it just seems mm-hmm. like they just they, they've been cutting payroll. But then they're announcing they're building some sort of like gambling facility near Wrigley Field. Yeah. Wrigleyville, rather. I think so it's a sports book attached to Wrigley Field. Yeah, which is just if anything, that's just you're just telling people just go get poor. And yeah, anyway, I, I don't. Know. So my bad, and it involves the as far as it goes with the the Pirates, and the Pirates have been the, the Pirates have been one of those teams that have been sticking around. They're like Baltimore. They've been getting people have been pleasantly surprised with the play of both teams and what have you. But this 
this last couple of weeks, the Pirates have kind of, kind of in a funk a little bit. And I look at a guy like Diego Castillo, who has since since June 16th, I just kind of go as a baseline. He's got a strikeout rate of 35 percent. And in terms of like his. But however, it's bad. It's good and bad. Because also he's got five. His ISO is three times five. So he's got five home runs right now. Him and Jack uh, Swilinski have been. It's been their feast or famine between those two. So it, it, the reason why I put the good and bad because they they both those stats are kind of polar opposites to each other in the sense of how much they're. But it's also becoming a new norm. We have talked about this before strikeouts, and, but it seems a little excessive. And my ugly this week involves the well there's a crystal or somebody mentioned the the whole the the world baseball classic that came out and the reason why it's ugly is because i thought there'd be more attention about it i didn't know anything about it until the discord channel so props to the discord channel for mentioning it and the reason why i think it's ugly is because i i think that for remembering how a big deal they made this it seems like they the baseball has not marketed as well at all and the marketing on it's terrible. Cuba, by the way, their draws like they got Italy and a couple other teams. I think the Netherlands and I forgot the other two teams. It's just like you're basically walking in. But I, I think that the way they're hand, again, it's a it's a combination of how they're handling the marketing and promotion of this. I think it's ugly and it's ridiculous. I think the World Baseball Classic deserves more a little more respect and should be. Listen, there's there was again Discord channels a small sample size, but there's people seem to be stoked for it. I'm stoked for it because it just gives you an opportunity to see the best in the world. And it's still have an opportunity to do that. But I just still think how you've had this now for what, almost 10 years and you still not screw it up. It's not longer. It's anyway. Well, in, there's something fun about tournament style baseball. That's yep. part of the reason I like the world, like the college world series too. And, and it's just a different atmosphere when you're playing for a team like that, you're playing for your country. And where you can see uh, Ian Kinsler manage the his team is real. Um, I was thinking the other day, wasn't it Brad Osmus that let Ian Kinsler manage the final game of the season one year? Um, I believe it was, yeah. So maybe Ian Kinsler down the road, your next Tigers manager. We'll see. I think he's in a front office for the Padres right now. But oh, he's oh, taking. So he's, he's oh, so he's taking the Brad Osmus resume. Builder. I think so. Yeah. World Baseball Classic. I love that first week of it every year, where you get up at about five a.m. or six a.m. And there's a ball game going on in Japan. Yeah, love that. Uh, that love is the highlight of that tournament for me. Also, one of the best still photos in baseball for the last decade was Adam Jones stealing that home run in San Diego with all those fans in USA gear around him. Um, yeah, I, that was an iconic photo that baseball should plaster everywhere. Gregory Soto's not making things easy. He's got two runners on here in the bottom of the ninth. As he just walked, yeah. Jay Pollock and Tim Anderson, another Tiger, notorious Tiger killer, had a single. So anybody else? Luis, one uh, Robert. one uh, Luis. no problem. It will okay. be interesting to see if this is a a uh, live with them or die with them inning, or if this is a we're bringing in Will Vest inning, which we've seen we've seen both from uh, Hinch this year. See what happens here. So we'll keep it posted as that happens. So Chris, what are the questions this week? Because I think we should wrap oh. this up. Oh. <laughs> Excuse me. Yeah, we, we just got a couple questions. Uh, we got uh, Deadly Ninja Bees. He said, "Does Erod own a phone? Is he done in Detroit?" We've already kind of discussed that. 
Uh, teams like Toronto need help in the arm bar, and who would you target? Who would you trade? That sounds like a question for Raelio. Uh Yeah, so we also got a question from Nick Splain last, yesterday, too, I think. We got a, I, I, I didn't see that one, but... Oh, yeah, I, I, I think I... I liked it. Anyway, okay, so as far as Toronto goes, I, I think that one of the things, and I'm working on a piece right now, I have the piece pretty much set, and I like the fact that if they go for a catcher, because Jake Rogers not a for-sure thing, uh, Jansen has shown an improvement in power and he's been, well, I think it was one of the leaders in terms of, uh, walk rates among catchers and he's a good receiver. He's known for his glove and I think it'd be upgrade, but then it, uh, upgrade, uh, upgrade catcher, uh, Tucker Bernhardt has been hitting better as of late, but I don't know. And then there's a guy that they called up for short relief. And I thought that like, it was kind of an addition, but he's been, he was once a top 30 prospect. And he put up some good numbers in double A, double A, New Hampshire. And then before he got to call up the Buffalo and then posted an area of point to six. And that's Max Castillo. And he's a guy that has primarily been a starter, but he could fit in the back end of a rotation if they, if the, if they decide to do it. It depends on who Toronto wants, too. Um, there's a the, Toronto's got a couple of interesting uh, pitching prospects, too, that may not, but they might want to keep pitching because if, we're just mentioning earlier, if the draft is this bad, this could be like, if you think about it this way, I didn't even think about this till just now. If the draft is that bad for pitching, that might affect the trade line a little bit, don't you think? I mean, it's possible. I, I, I think that, I mean, teams probably wouldn't be going to the draft. Every now and then there's the, the advanced college arm that, uh, uh oh, that, oh, uh, how many runs did uh, Gregory Soto just give up? Uh oh. Um, <clears throat> That's one, oh, it's a double. So now the, the go-ahead run is in scoring position. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I don't think teams go into the draft uh, looking to address their major league pitching. It, no, that's it, true. It, but I mean, it's, it's, in terms of depth, I'm sorry. I was just mainly. Well, so, it's it's I, I agree and disagree with what Jeff said about the draft. It, it's the worst crop of healthy college pitchers I've ever seen. But there are a ton of really interesting injured college pitchers, and somebody's going to get a steal in like the second and third round. Maybe the Tigers. Maybe they get Peyton Paulette from Arkansas with the 51st pick, and he ends up being a frontline starter. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think I think Toronto needs bullpen help pretty clearly, uh, and the right. Tigers happen to have a really good bullpen. Gregory Soto's evening, notwithstanding. Yeah. Um, this is uh, yeah. This is going to be a real Houdini situation here. Yeah, and now he's going up against Jose Abreu. Oh, Ooh. he's not going up against Jose Abreu. Oh, he's not. Who's coming in? Uh, I don't know, but uh, that's the second mound visit here, according to my game day app. So, Todd Jones. Unfortunately, due to due to copyright issues, we cannot stream the game. So, I mean, I have the game on. I did have the game on my phone for a little while, but uh, either way, it, it says he doubled on a ground ball, deflected by Spencer Torkelson. I wonder how how deflected that was. If I assume it was a a rocket shot. No, no, it was seventy four miles per hour. And 67 feet. So, huh. Well, do you guys think they can get Jordan Groshans from t- Toronto for a reliever? And do we do they want him? And his power hasn't showed up yet. Yeah. I mean, he's a guy who's, I think, yeah, his, the, the star has faded there a bit. Uh, maybe I could see that happening where if they want to. Uh, he still hits 300. Yeah, it's, it's just he's kind of like suddenly, you know, he was a shortstop, but always considered. Uh, 
probably more of a third baseman. I remember him hitting for power in the, I, I think he had a home run in the like perfect game classic. And I was like, man, this dude, he rakes. And then he got drafted a little bit higher than most people expected. Oh, it looks like Soto is thing. And, um, uh, so yeah, I mean, I think he's a guy that they might part way, ways with. I like, uh, Damiano Palmagiani, the, uh, just again, the, that's about the most Italian name you can get. He's, he's had a good season. Again, that's um, just another one for Jim Price to pronounce, which we would be priceless. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I like, you know, the guy I really want from Toronto is a pitcher, but they, uh, I doubt they'd get rid of Ricky Tiedemann. I mean, the other, the other are like, those, those are two arms or the, the two players I mentioned is, I try to stay realistic with these trade possibilities because every time I see a piece about, well, we should trade uh, uh, Cody Clemens for Alex. Uh, who's their top pitcher? Um, Alex. Uh, forgot the guy's name. Alex Manoa. Yeah, Manoa. No, no we should trade for Manoa. Like, no, what are you on dope? That's not going to happen. I do like uh, Otto Lopez. I am a fan of him, but uh, I don't know what, the Toronto would give him up or not, but um, somebody like that, or even a, a, a Matt Peacock, who they got from Kansas City, uh, is down in AAA. It's a, a guy just to throw in an arm. So, but uh, strike out of Jose Abreu on a, on what on game day appears to be a foot above the strike zone on a fast tip. <laughs> by the way, so, uh, props to Woodward's this year. By the way, so very cool. Yeah. Um, anyway, so is there two um, down? Yep. Yeah, uh, Michael Meyer, uh, who was in our chat earlier, I don't know if he's still around, uh, he said, here's a weird one. What is going on with the DSL Tigers 2 team? They seem to have been postponed for the last week. They've played about six to seven less games than everyone else. We don't have sources down in the Dominican, at least uh, I don't right now, but I can take one guess as to what's happened, why the team would miss a week, and I'm going to go ahead and say that there's probably a COVID outbreak. Either that or, you know, it's the Dominican. Sometimes there's a lot of rain, but you would think that uh, – that would be affecting everybody. So yeah, I, I assume that there's kind of been uh, an outbreak of some sort of disease in there. But yeah, I, I'm afraid I don't have a better answer than that. Yeah, that's that's really about it in terms of just there's a yeah. When it comes to the that, the international side of stuff on the tiger side, it's very very kind of like very quiet. There's not uh, you have to really really super be plugged in to know. But um, and play out. That's game over. It is a five-game winning streak for the Detroit Tigers, the longest of the year. Not bad. Five straight against the Central, too, right? Yeah. Gregory 13 more Soto. in a row, and they'll be at 500. All, all reliable. Yeah. Oh, he, it, was a, it was a Todd Jones save. Yeah. They all come. You just got to get the horses in the barn, man. Well, and that's, uh, you know, that's that's impressive to, to get, uh, I mean, two men in scoring position, winning run on second. Jose Abreu up, dusts him with three pitches, and then gets a that's, – that's a, that's a nice win for the Tigers. You know what? I mean, this audio sums it up best. What did the five fingers say to the face? <laughs> what? Slap! I figured it was going to be Chicago sucks, but uh, – Oh, well, I, I mean, I, I, I do – I have that ready to go as well, but – Chicago sucks! There you go. <laughs> we did uh, the one last question, and I don't know if this was directed to the show, but you know, Steve Cook is always uh, adding us on Twitter. And he asked, if Does Wilmer Flores go to AAA this year? What scout or GM gets the credit for the signing? Finally, looks like a top 100 prospect to me. Well, Garko said today he might. 
Yeah. So it's possible. Hey, wait, wait. When do you say that? Was that during when I was at my softball game? There, there was a quote, late this afternoon, there was a quote that Dingler and Flores could potentially see AAA toward the end of the year. Yeah, I can get Garfield. the uh, – I think Jason Beck had the exact tweet. Let me see if I can find it. Yeah, that sounds uh, right. It might have been Beck, yep. Yeah, Garko, quote, I think at some point I wouldn't be surprised to see either one touching AAA this year and getting a look because, they, because they've certainly in stretches showed that they're dominating the AA league right now. I would not necessarily say that Dingler is dominating AA, but, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, I could see them both getting getting uh, promoted there. I think uh, in terms of, uh, you know, the who gets the credit, the, the signing scout for Wilmer Flores is Joey Lothrop. They're yeah. the Tigers four-corner scout who is also responsible for tonight's winning pitcher, Bo Brisky, among other uh, four-corners area signings. I believe he, he was the signing scout for Gage Workman and Spencer Torkelson. Um, and he, no surprise, he was named the Detroit Tigers 2021 scout of the year. There you go. Uh, and yeah. so, he, also, yeah, uh, he also likes and supports our stuff on minor league report too. So Yeah, well, he's, a, he's an ASU kid. I think, he, I think you know, their 20th rounder last year, J.D. McLaughlin, he was from the same ju- Juco as Wilmer Flores. So I think don't be shocked if another player comes from at some point in this draft, we see another player come from that Arizona, Utah, Colorado area, uh, because it seems like they have a pretty good scout there and Joey. Awesome. So was that, uh, you know what, I'm, uh, Nick, Nick Splane, I'm going to find that question real quick before we uh, get right. out of here. Sorry. I didn't, I didn't see it. No, that's, that's no, don't apologize, man. Um, here we go. Here's a fun stat. Two hardest hit balls tonight. Sprinter Torkelson, 108.7. Riley Green, 108.0. Nice. nice. Same time. Uh, let me see if I can find it. Yeah, let me let me go back through here. So before we get out of here, and we actually are going to do a live show, uh, pre- or post-game show. If you want to join us, uh, Youper, you're more than welcome to. You know, the usual. Not... Say what? Not tonight. I'd love to. Okay. Uh, real quick. I'm just trying to get that last question here. Um, let me find it. 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 Uh, okay. Show prep on the air sucks. So I apologize. <laughs> Dead air. Um, let's see here. I can't find that question now. Dead air. Dead, Dead air. Dead, Dead air. air. All right, Nick. No, no. Nick's a, you know what? Nick's a, sol- um, it's, is it, is it what? It's not Nick Schlain, the the Yankees guy, is it? It's it's uh no 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 it's uh Spillane. Spillane. Yeah. Just like Mickey Spillane. Hmm. From the, oh, that, might wait, be, was, I, the that might be too old to reference. I don't know. Was that the monkeys? No. So who, so who am I thinking of? Mickey who's Mickey from the monkeys? <laughs> Mickey Spillane Mickey is the mystery writer. Mickey Spillane. I, I I've heard that name before. Yeah, he wrote mysteries. Like uh, detective. Detective novel. Uh, All right, here we go. Okay, I found it. Okay, do you guys? Okay, here's a question from Nick. So again, sorry for the, sorry for that crappy dead air for a moment. Do you guys believe that there's an opportunity for the Tigers to make a deal with the Yankees on some relievers like Fowler, etc., to maybe get Joey Gallo at the discounted rate and hope he bounces back, bounces back to form from the Bronx? (laughs) Who, by the way, that should have been our ugly. Gallo's one for his last thirty-three. Yeah, you, they're gonna they're gonna DFM. You can sign him anytime you want. Then, right? I mean, yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, I the, the first part of Nick's question. Yes, uh, lots of teams should want Tiger relievers, and the Yankees will be one of them. 
and they got a lot of nice prospects. Uh, but B, Joey Gallo is not part of the future for me. I don't know about you guys. Uh, no. no, yeah, I actually wrote I wrote an article, a trade piece earlier in the season about Joey Gallo being, I called it like a proof of concept trade. I, I compared it to the Johnny Peralta trade way back in 2010 or whatever, where, because uh, Joey Gallo, I think, is a free agent after this year. Yep. Michael so Meyer. basically, you get him for nothing, you know, cash, uh, and give him 200 plate appearances to see if he can figure something out. Maybe it works. Maybe you get a, a heads up on signing him. If not, it costs you nothing. There's no real harm because you're not winning anything this year anyway. I, It was just kind of a throwing something at the wall idea. I don't think that the Tigers, where they are right now, I think we're going to see Meadows play it again tonight. He was scratched, but then unscratched and, and went out and played. Kiel Badu, tonight was his first uh, not like really good game in the last couple of weeks. I, I don't think he got a hit or walk, but he's been playing well. I think we're going to see him more down the stretch. I just I don't think they're going to want to try something like that with, with the few outfield at bats they have because you know Green's going to be a fixture out there, and uh, Meadows will be a fixture, and, and I think Badu will be eventually too. So yeah, I just don't think it makes much sense right now, even though I proposed it like a month ago. <laughs> By the way, Bo Brisky is the first Tiger to go at least five innings without allowing a hit this season. So there you go. No, that's not. I mean, that's not terribly shocking, right? I mean, that's pretty rare. Yeah. I mean, I mean, no hitters aren't as rare as they used to be, but still, five no hit innings is pretty uncommon. That's uh, and Brisky's been awesome since. Uh, I mean, maybe awesome's a little bit strong, but since the beginning of June, he hasn't. I think he's given up four home runs. ERA is he's got to be like three four now since June, and uh, he's getting that slider working a little bit more. It's it's he's not going to be I don't think ever like a huge strikeout guy, but there's still a lot to like there. And, and like you said, another another Wilmer Flores scouting win, Bo Brisky scouting win. Nice to have those. You bet. By the way, uh, a good good friend of this, um, <clears throat> Harris Fulmer, Harris Harris Fulmer uh, on Twitter. Uh, retweeted the Allen on the farm that the Tigers last in terms of drafted war. I did that article two years ago, Chief. It's already been known. So yeah. why you? Yeah. Well, and and since uh, and since Alavila took over, they are twentieth in drafted war out of thirty. So yeah, yeah. and we'll Again. have a full accounting for all of that soon. Yes, we have a we have a secret project, the Alavila secret project coming soon. I'm not going to tell you more any more than that. It's it's gonna be fun. Uh, excuse me. It's going to be a challenge to make this. We're doing something very different than what we normally do. But uh, also, again, Harris, why are you stating the obvious? You're not <laughs> stating about you your your take about Spencer Torkelson. Where's that at? Oh, wait, you're not going to say anything. All right. So thank you so much for listening to. I'm I'm sorry. I'm, no, I'm not sorry at all. Uh, thank you for listening to Woodward Tigers here at WoodwardSports.com. And Uper, I know you got ears. Thank you so much. We're going to be doing the post game wrap up here in two seconds. And so check out all the great content over at WilbertSports.com. The heavyweights had me on yesterday talking Tigers. I appreciate them having me on. It was awesome. And yeah, we're going to, we'll be getting the draft show is not too far away. There'll be some draft primer articles coming out too in the next couple of days or so. So for myself, Chris Brown and Uper all the way down in Iowa, we'll talk to you next week. Have a good week, everybody. <laughs>